Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates for At The Gates, Civ 6, Stellaris, and much, much more. Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. Glad you're here with me tonight. How's it going? Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. You had a rough <laughs> I got, week? I got, oh, rough month. I got a special soapbox rant at the end that I've been stewing on all day, and I'm still in the midst of figuring out how I'm going to address it without profanity from one end of the podcast to the other. So hopefully by the end of the podcast, I'll be able to express my feelings without (laughs) turning away the audience. But anyways, I think we should just jump right to it. What do you say? All right, no problem. Uh, Let's get started at the gates here with John Schaefer's at the gates. And basically what we're announcing today is that it's coming to Steam January 23rd. That will be its official launch date. It's been in beta now for a few years. It was kickstarted about seven years ago, and it's going to launch in a final version January 23rd, 2019. So if you've been waiting on it, you won't have to wait much longer. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I noticed there's no pre-orders for it, so I wonder what the price will be. You know what? I didn't notice that. Huh. That's a good point. Well, well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Did you see that other item that I added at the end there for at the gates? The one talking about well, the map no, generation. No, I didn't, Nate. Let me pull that uh, up. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the last second edition. I oh, well, see, yeah, when you sneak it in right before we start the show. Okay, so, well, yeah. Well, well not, not that last second. It's been there for maybe two hours, three hours. Oh, okay, well. Anyway, this uh, update that Nate snuck in on me talks about map generation, and it's something that John spent a lot of time, in fact, the last 18 months getting it ready. And I will say, in the game's defense, that I don't think that the tile type placement is all that bad. I I think it's actually pretty decent. Um, I I definitely think that's the least of the game's worries when it comes out. But uh, essentially... This it's a procedurally generated map, and it's going to have six to ten high points, which are essentially your mountain ranges, and then everything builds out from that. So uh, around the mountains, you'll you'll have either hills or forests, unless it borders a desert, in which case you'll have dunes in and around there. At the gates also has uh, seasonal changes. You know, it goes through the four seasons, which 
uh, is kind of similar to Endless Legend and the uh, Thea games. So uh, I can tell you there's like rainy seasons and snowy seasons and things like that. And then, of course, you got the regular exploration that you see in most games. There's a fog of war and then like later a haze of war. And you lift those by exploring, doing things like that. The Fog of War is kind of interesting. It just looks like an, um, an old-fashioned map on parchment with maybe a, a, a few little landmarks, you know, things you could perhaps see from a distance already on the map covered by the, the Fog of War. But then you kind of turn the map into a colored watercolor picture, I guess I should say. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Nate, what else did you see in that that you want to mention? Well, uh, three game. Two games beat them to the modified Fog of War. One of them is Civ Six, the way it works now. So what he's doing looks very similar to what Civ Six did. And another game to beat him to it is Thea, because in Thea, when you are far away, you can see certain features, but you cannot see stuff around them. And you literally see them like through a cloud bank. Yeah. You right. know? Now, as far as seasons, a different game that beat him to it is Oriental Empires. There are well, seasons Legend in Oriental. Well, right, but Endless Legends, the seasons vary. So as the game progresses, the seasons, the winter gets longer and harsher, and thus summer gets shorter. But in Oriental Empires, you actually have four seasons in the game. So That's true. And, yeah. de- and depending on the season, you can have different disasters or different outcomes, you know, output to uh, whatever crops you're growing or things like that. And same thing in uh, At the Gates, I believe. So in the, on the one hand, there's other games that have it, but in At the Gates, they bring all that stuff in together as one. So it'll be very interesting to see. Now, another thing that he had written is that he's going to be releasing essentially a dev diary of this type focusing on a single feature between this week all the way until release week. So I think it's something like eight weeks or something like that, maybe seven weeks. So he's got a whole bunch of these coming. So we'll keep reporting on. It's very interesting. I mean, he did put a lot of work into this. Now, I, you know, I can mention it here because I haven't played at the gates for a while. But the last time that I played it was my guess would be maybe sometime before Thanksgiving or maybe even early November. I had a couple of issues that I sent him some stuff and I haven't really, I just been slammed with everything else and I had to get a few reviews out. So I haven't had a chance to revisit it, but maybe before it comes out, maybe like early January, I'll fire it up and see where it's at. Okay. Moving on. Speaking of Civ, let's talk about the latest uh, faction reveal for civilization six gathering storm. And that's the Canadians. Now for a very long time, we've always had a certain percentage of the player base requesting the Canada get added as a playable sieve makes sense. I mean, Sid Meier, I believe is from Canada. Quite a few of the developers that are working on it are from Canada. And, um, a lot of players themselves are from Canada. So, you know, it's on the one hand, you know, it's part fan service. On the other hand, they're really trying a bunch of different stuff with Civ six. So let's see. And now, with the new mechanics being introduced in Gathering Storm and the rework, the reintroduction of the, uh, what uh, what are they? The not the UN, but the Global Council. No, that's not them. Something. Uh, anyways, I I don't know why it jumped out of my head. But but with with the reintroduction of of this new diplomatic aspect to the game, you have um you need a sieve that's a friendly sieve now. I don't know if this is maybe a stereotype, possibly, but Canadians 
appear to be very friendly. Now, I don't mean that from in a bad way, but when you ask somebody, tell me something about Canada, first thing that comes to mind, oh, yeah, the Canadians, they're very friendly people. North America, and you, the neighbor of the U.S., um, they like hockey, they like Tim uh, Hortons, they're, their favorite coffee <laughs> shop. So in this game, they have their unique ability is called the Four Faces of Peace. And this is basically about how Canada generates um how it generates this diplomatic income through being peaceful, meaning that basically diplomatic favors, and then you can have it due to tourism. You can have it due to um, when they emergencies, which are global dis, global disasters, and basically you can have factions asking for factions. You can have civilizations asking for help, kind of like a global crisis, and you know you can pitch in, and it's it's a co-op quest of sorts, and you have. Um, you have something very interesting. So because the Canadians are peaceful or maybe because they are in North America neighboring the United States of America or the US of A, you can't really sneak up on them, at least historically. So you can't, in Civ Six, you cannot declare a surprise war on them. Meaning if you want to go to war with Canada, you have to be open about it. You cannot, I believe, backstab them. You have to go through the whole process of going through war. So that's one thing. Now, remember how I mentioned tourism? Well, they have a, the unique building for Canada is an ice hockey rink. <laughs> I would have loved it if they could have licensed Tim Hortons for that. That would have been awesome. Well, they, I, I, I've seen people talk about it. It might be even that I saw it. There's an attachment link here for like a one hours and 10 minutes of the gameplay footage when they re revealed Canada. And they might have talked about it then. I don't remember, but... Yeah, that that would have been fun. That's kind of like the Dunkin' Donuts down here. Or yeah, but, they could have they could have added something that's like a panini and donut shop or something like that. I think that's too specific. <laughs> either either way, ice hockey ring for the Canadians is like super duper, kind of like the golf courses are for the Scots. Now their unique unit is the Mountie, and uh, yeah, they're up north. There's a lot of tundra up there. I did not know this that the Canadians were tundra specializing horticulturalists because that is their special, that's their president's special ability that they get bonuses for settling in the tundra, which hopefully means that within the parameters of the game, people are less likely to encroach on their territory because tundra tiles are some of the hardest to utilize, to grow your cities and the Canadians are good at it. So we'll see. I mean, again, it's a fun sieve. It's an interesting leader. There's uh, quite a bit of discussion about whether Canada should have been included. And they're like, oh, they're not a real civilization. And it's like, what do you mean? They're not a real civilization. They've been there for a long time. They've played very crucial roles in quite a bit of modern history. So, you know, hopefully people kind of chill out on that part. But uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what other interesting directions the devs at Firaxis go because they're really like – yeah, they're they're really getting creative with some of the stuff. So you know, I'm 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 hoping that there's more fun stuff to be had because Civilizations was getting a little bit stodgy, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. So we're gonna move on to Thea two, and this week we didn't get one patch, we got three. So I'm just gonna kind of hit the highlights of these. 
uh, all at once. So one of the big things that they changed was the number and strength of monsters spawning at the beginning of the game is going to be reduced because it was getting very difficult, I will admit, to contend with both the monsters and the geographical limitations of the game. For instance, you can't cross a river right away in the game. So that can really hem you in. So the the monster's strength and uh, frequency at the beginning of the game is going to be diminished, which is really good. A couple of the gods got rebalanced, which is pretty good. Uh, for instance, um, let me see. The, the, the god trait of horrors to affect day-night visibility range and, and wits has been changed, which I think was a little bit... Well, it needed to be fixed there. I, I agree with that. Uh, let's see. Also, they fixed a problem with the multiplayer, uh, players being positioned on water and things like that. So they essentially, I don't know, I wouldn't call it necessarily a desync, but that might be the problem. But they're still working on getting multiplayer 100% correct there. But, you know, for a game in early access, it's already in good shape. And uh, a lot of the quests weren't giving you rewards um, or, I don't, I don't know, maybe not quests, but like events. Like when your child reached adulthood, some of the options weren't available. Now those are available. I think we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, Nate. How we did. The, the code was there, but it was disabled. Mm -hmm. And now the code enabling you to get like orcs and things for children. Is... Yeah, I think they did that last week. Well, well, let's see. Okay, what was the date for that one? That was the 13th of December. So now you can get... Uh, children that grow up to be orcs in the game. And uh, now you can no longer dismantle food to get the component parts. I never tried that when I was playing it because I just me either. You could. Look, yeah, I know, me either. I'm like, wait, you don't like your sandwich, so you're going to take it apart and do something else? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was kind of amusing there. But all right, yeah, you can't disassemble food, but you can disassemble everything else, which is fine. You need to do that sometimes. So mm -hmm. anyway... Along with all that, it's a bunch of other balance updates and bug fixes and things like that. The shortest of the the patches has like 10 items in it, so that's still pretty good. And that's three patches in the last week. That was yep. 12, 13th, and 14th. Each got a patch. So the game, they are they are fixing the game fast. They are iterating on the on the solutions quickly, and each each patch got shorter and shorter so there's fewer and fewer things wrong with thea 2 right now well, well i don't think it's a question of wrong it's a question of they're stress testing it but a lot of releases these days do that stress test at release and afterwards whereas muha games they're really focusing on doing it during early access which is when you should be doing stuff like this Agreed. so when the game comes out it shouldn't be the beta state this should be the beta state, and that's what the game is in. Now, I believe the next major thing that they're going to do, I don't know when, but I think they're going to um, enable opening up new gods. So, like, for me, when I was playing, I haven't played in a while, but um, I've been thinking about it, certainly doing that and talking with the devs over there, sharing some ideas, but I haven't played at least the last week. Um, well, it's kind of hard because you'll lose your your saves after so many it's, it's okay I, I you know i don't even care about that anymore because what i'm doing now is just looking at how the game plays and one of the things that i noticed that was like so okay so back in thea one i had this contention 
or at least I had this thing that really bugged me that when you were in camp, you couldn't cook anything. And I was, that's ridiculous. How can you not cook in camp? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, you're busting out and baking and, you know, making casseroles. But in camp, you should be able to take meat, put it on a steak and grill it or take some veggies and throw it in a pot and make some kind of stew out of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you couldn't, and you couldn't do that. But now you can. So they've taken some of those features and... You know, they've incorporated them. But one thing that I noticed, I mean, I always got a kick out of the cooking aspect of the game. One thing I noticed is that you can't, when you, this time around, because of having to restart the game because the constant patching, which is fine, um, each time your recipes get mixed up. So you can't always, like, if you find a spot that has the right ingredients, you're like, woohoo. I, I, I recommend you check to see what you can cook in your camp. Because you can't every time you cook, the ingredients get you know shifted around. So from from play playthrough to playthrough, the things you cook change. You can still consume the raw ingredients, or but you can't combine them the way you can every single time the same way. And and I'm still kind of I'm not sure if I like that. I understand it. I can imagine that maybe they need to add a building. Like since you can do this, maybe add like a baker or something. You know, so an inn to your uh, settlement or village where you can do other things. And when you're in camp, when you're not in your home base, yeah, I get it. But when you're in your home base, you should be able to do more than just that. You know what I mean? Even though the issue was that people will cook 50 different things and they get crazy bonuses, maybe take that away, but just have more variety just the same. You know, you can, and you know, I get it, but at the same time, think about it. You know, you can only carry so much food. So if you carry 50 food items, what else are you, then you can't carry something else. So that should be the limiting agent, not the fact that they don't want you to grab all the bonuses. Maybe reduce it to just four items gives you bonuses and that's it. doesn't matter which four, that's up to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can kind just, of see that. Just a thought. Just a thought. Anyways, why don't you tell us about Age of Wonders Planetfall? Yeah, uh, we got an update on operations this week, and operations are similar to casting spells in Age of Wonders 3. But the thing is, I think this is a bit a bit more flexible than like a spell casting system. And there's a lot of different operation types. There's strategic, covert, tactical, and doctrines. And then there's even... Uh, operations for doomsday weapons, which will result in you winning the game. So there's there's a lot of different types. And like I said, a lot of those don't really lend themselves specifically to spells, like especially like covert operations. I don't know about that being a magic spell. But one thing you can do with each of these is um, you can enact one of these operations and then hold it. Kind of like pre-casting a spell in Age of Wonders 3 and just having it ready. You know how you, you, you might go ahead and spend the mana and get it ready, but you don't actually cast it until you need it. This In this game, in Planetfall, you can do that once for each of the different types. So you can kind of say have a, a strategic operation ready to go or a tactical operation ready to go. You don't have to use it right when you finish researching it or enacting it or whatever. So I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, and then it talks about how each of these kind of operations relate to each other. So uh, you can enact uh, like a, a debuff on an enemy city, but your debuff will have a countdown timer to it, unlike Age of Wonders 3, where if you debuffed 
in an enemy city with a spell, it lasted until they cast Disjunction on that spell. Well, now yours has a countdown. Now, there are sabotage operations where you can cancel an enemy debuff on your city, but you don't have to because sooner or later that's going to run out. So that that's kind of interesting hmm. how you can dispel it or hmm. not dispel it depending upon you know how bad you need that resource that they're they're preventing you from getting. Well, I see a, something interesting there. So imagine you have three or four operations all prepped, meaning you've uh, enacted them, everything's ready, but they're kind of in a holding pattern, and then you start enacting like you have one that's like a very small little thing right and you activate it on a city and you're waiting to see if your opponent has a debuff ready or a countermeasure to take out your operation and if they do you're like oh, okay good so then you hit them with the second one you know and yeah, if that they might have it work the thing is like well that might work like if you if you could enact one and then quickly enact a second one of the same well, type. That's what we'll. That's what we'll see. Not even yeah. the same type. It could be a different type. It could be on a different city. Maybe you can only target one city. <clears throat> I mean, the same city once per turn. But if you're going again, or is it one operation per opponent? It's you know, one but operation per type. I don't think it's re restricted by Ex city or opponent. Exactly. So think about it. Say you have four or five operations. Now, again, this isn't something that I imagine you're going to use against the AI opponent too often because the AI generally is not very good at dealing with stuff like this. That's why they get crazy bonuses in most games. That's why they get just free stuff on higher difficulties because the programmers know, you know what, the AI is not good. It's not going to do well in this. But now imagine using something like this against a computer, I mean against a multi, another human player in multiplayer. So you're playing against somebody who's being just as tactical and devious as you are, strategic and devious as you are. So you put a you put a debuff down and you're trying to get them to burn out their countermeasures. So then you can really drop the powerful debuffs or the, you know, like the Dvar have where they just raise a mountain range in the middle of your right, of your Right. Yeah, that one. You know. So you're trying to get them to burn out the countermeasures, then you're like bam, or maybe you and your ally have something in mind and you drop two or three and make it look like oh I, I oh i messed up that's not what i intended to do and they're like haha i got you and then your you know your your uh co-op partner or whatever you want to call him and your ally just is like well don't worry about it buddy i got you covered bam they start dropping mountain rangers you know and it's oh like, no. yeah well that makes sense that, that's a good point yeah especially that, multiplayer i think that could that's be really I, useful yeah that's yeah. where i'm seeing it it's in multiplayer like versus the ai you know maybe if Ale was working on the AI, I'd expect the AI to be doing this to you all the time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, anyway, you'll be able to track all these operations on uh, kind of a special filter when you zoom out all the way. You know, how in, in or not Endless Legend, um, Age of Wonders 3, you can zoom out and you kind of get like a broad view of the map. Well, there's there's going to be a filter for all the operations in effect for each of the different sectors, so you'll be able to mouse over that and see what's going on. So that's pretty cool. Um, next week, they're going to have another dev diary about operations and go into a little bit more detail, and we'll definitely report on that. Exactly. All right, well, let's move on to another game, a terrestrial space game. 
This one set in the Warhammer 40k universe. Gladius, Relics of War, they just officially announced their first DLC slash expansion. What I, I don't even know what to call this anymore. They just let's call it a DLC. This is a major faction being added to the Gladius game. And I had speculated in the past who it would be, and I thought I was all being smart about it. Turns out everybody knew it was going to be these guys. So it's the Tyranids. That should make and you happy, right? It makes me happy, but then I saw some of the some of the people's comments like, "Oh, come on, Nate! You know it's going to be it's who else going to be?" And I'm like, "Ugh, whatever, man. My balloon has been deflated." Well, it could have been <laughs> chaos or the Tau would have been good choices no, too. No, see, but that's the, yeah, but the Tau doesn't make sense there. You see, the Tyranids make sense and chaos makes sense, but the Tyranids make even more sense. Now, the way they're introducing them there is not that there's a high fleet descending upon. Gladius, but the Gladius was a world where they kept test the Mechanicus kept test subjects there to experiment on and study them for their war against these high fleets, and these subjects escaped. Sure, why not? You know, everything else that could have gone wrong already went wrong on Gladius. So now you have a bunch of Tyranid swarms running around the place. And yes, absolutely. Now, for those that don't know what the Tyranids are. I'm trying to remember what is the faction in StarCraft that's just like him. Does um, not come to mind. Oh, are they the Protoss? No, not the Protoss. The Protoss then are the like Zerg? The, the Zerg. There you go. But here's something that needs to be made plain and clear: StarCraft is a complete and utter ripoff from Warhammer 40k. Now, I'm sure people will jump in here and be like, oh, Warhammer 40k is a complete another ripoff of other stuff. Yeah, Starship Troopers, great. Well, I accept that. But StarCraft was, uh, Blizzard wanted to license Warhammer 40k to make games out of it, and Games Workshop said, nah, uh we don't want to. I don't know why they said it, but and I don't think they said it like that either, but <laughs> that's how it came across. So they made Warcraft and StarCraft, which are copies of uh, Warhammer, Fantasy Battle and Warhammer 40k. Anyways, so the Tyranids are a swarm. They're a hive mind. They have one purpose and one purpose only. They come to a planet. They eat everything. They incorporate all. They're, they're kind of like the Borg, but they eat you. They don't experiment on you so much as eat you and then turn you into something of their own. And when they leave, there's nothing, not a single living organism on the planet, including viruses and bacteria. So now these guys are set loose on Gladys. It should be very interesting to see what it's like. Now, one thing I hope, I really, really hope they need to change the color palette a little bit for the Tyranids because the Tyranids, I can imagine, would have very vivid colors and Gladius does not. I'm looking at some of the official, from the link that we're going to provide, some of the official art from the game, and it's just like, oh, come on, guys. Give us a little bit brighter colors. Give it a little more color combinations so we can, you know, take these factions and we can make them distinguishable from one another. But anyways, that means that the next faction to come will be Chaos. So I said it here first. My, <laughs> I have one in three odds of being right unless... There's something else that I'm missing, but I'm pretty excited for this. I'm really, I really enjoyed Gladius. I haven't played it in a while, but you know, I haven't played much of anything lately. So I will be playing it again, and I will definitely be playing it to check out the Tyranids, and I'll let you guys know what I think of them. And I think that's it for Gladius for this week. All right, very cool. Uh, we're gonna launch into interstellar space genesis. 
which is the Space for X game being created by the guys who used to run Space Sector, the the sci-fi strategy game news website. And kind of like at the gates, it's on Steam now. Uh, they just held an, uh, a giveaway for the the next well i mean you get the keys but their their next level of testing they're currently in alpha they're heading towards beta and they just held the giveaway to a bunch of people a bunch of people got keys to the game it's officially on steam now so as they get towards beta they're gonna well i mean i guess that would mean it's feature complete it's not feature complete yet but when it gets into beta it will be and you're going to, if you were able to get one of the keys, I think on the Humble Store or through this giveaway, you'll be able to play it through Steam, which like whenever I get keys, I really want to do it or manage it through Steam because it's just more convenient that way. I've, I've helped, uh, you know, several developers by playing their games like off Steam, which is fine, but it's not my preference. So anyway, Interstellar Space Genesis is on Steam now. Not available for purchase. Can't purchase it yet. But it is on Steam. They recently held a giveaway. And those people are going to be able to manage their games through Steam. And again, just to mention, the release date or the projected release date is quarter two for 2019. So I would guess probably late May. Well, here's what I know. Every single person that I know that has played interstellar space genesis has come back with very positive feedback like positive results and now i'm not talking about you know oliver who is uh, participating in their closed alpha or beta or whatever you know whatever it ends up being but i'm talking about some even some of the people that got one the keys i know a couple of them and they reached out to me they're like oh man nate you know i played a little bit i don't you know i haven't really dug deep but what i saw was really impressed with so, you know, that bodes really well for the, for them. And, you know, we'll keep covering it, you know? Oh, absolutely. So it's, uh, again, it's, it's uh, ma- I believe it's supposed to be very much like Master of Orion 1. No, no, no. This no, is Master ma- of Orion 2. Master of Orion 2. I'm, it's been a long week. Forgive me. My, my 4X Master of Orion game cred has been revoked for I don't yeah. know how many time. This is uh, another Mood 2 clone. But it's a good one. And there's enough things that are different that they have kind of evolved away from just being a Mutu clone and more about being inspired by Mutu, I think. So, and that's pretty much what I'm hearing. That's the feedback that I'm getting. So that's, you know, that bodes very well for them. And I hope that they sell enough copies to feel that it was worthy of their time. And oh, yeah, then me they too, sell for sure. even more on top of that. So, the community sees that, you know, there's good stuff out there. So anyways, okay, well, this week in Stellaris news, it is something different. And when I say different, I mean really, really different. So this week um, we had Martin Anward, who's been the director of Stellaris, the creative director and working on the AI. So he got involved, I believe, shortly after... Um, like like right at the first like the first expansion that hit I think it was one point in one point three or one point two where he got involved and he took over and now he's moved on to another secret project that they're not discussing. And one of the other main guys on it, Daniel Morgarda, hopefully I got his name right, he's gonna be taken over as the game director for Stellaris. And I believe his first thing that he wants to tackle is diplomacy. 
That so would be great. One of, yes, I agree. They've done everything, but they have not really touched diplomacy all that much. And he's other going than to remove uh, embassies, which is a mechanic that I actually liked. Me too. Me too. So let's see. Let's see what happens with that. But kind of the point I wanted to make here is a lot of people were very unhappy with how um, how the game kept changing every couple of releases, major changes. They're like, come on, you guys got to stop it. And some of it, I think, was attributed to Martin Anward because he was unhappy with how the game was playing. So we shall see if that changes the, the development cycle of the game itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I hear is you, it for sure. Is it finally going to stabilize or is it going to be more of the same? So well, I imagine, I'm ho- mm-hmm. you know, we Go can ahead. look at uh, Crusader Kings and Europa Ur- Universalis for guidance in that. Um, I imagine Stellaris will follow a very similar design path as those games have. How so? Well, it just seems to be the ethos for Paradox. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're... They've got a they've got a formula that works, or at least that they believe works. I think it works too because they've sold a lot of games, especially for Stellaris. Um, it's actually oh, yes. done oh, extremely yeah. well for itself. So yes, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't really play this game anymore. I I was very unhappy with Paradox after it sold its soul to the uh, uh, Tencent Devil. Um, uh-huh. But I I don't know. It depends on how their sales have been over the last couple expansions whether or not people really have gotten sick of it or are people stellaris fans no matter what i know some people are stellaris fans i know some people aren't the funny thing is for me i for the life of me i could not get into stellaris until it hit 2.0 like the 2.0 version was what it took for me to get into it and i spent like 120 some odd hours playing 2.0 and when 2.1 hit, again, mechanics changed. I'm like, oh, I'm not relearning the game. I'm going to wait till a few more major changes happen before I dive in. So, you know, I'll, I'll play it again. I really like a lot of stuff they're doing. I think some of the changes are good. Some of the changes are not. So we'll kind of have to wait and see. But anyways, all right, well, moving on. Let's talk about a game that I believe since released has only improved now some of the content that came out for it was not as good as other content that came out for it but overall it's only been improving and now i'm talking and the game i'm talking about is galactic civilizations 3 so this past week they released version 3.2 and this is where they're taking into account a key feature that makes the game supposedly different which is the fact that like the the factions and the personality traits affecting how the AI plays the game. So one of the things that like in Stellaris and in Galsiv, you get not so much, I don't think, in Endless Space, not to this degree. You get a lot of options as to how you can personalize your faction, especially if you're creating your own unique faction. But when the AI plays them, it doesn't do a very good job of it. Or the existing factions that the AI has access to, unless it's specifically scripted a certain way, it doesn't do a good job of playing it. You know, definitely you can see that in games like Civ. You know, in Endless Legend, the AI... It's pretty solid with that stuff. But like in Civ, like some of the stuff that happens doesn't make sense. That's why they keep introducing these under the hood changes. And they're basically enacting some of those changes to improve Galactic Civilizations 3. Now, another thing that they're doing is that they are 
putting a bigger distance between stars in order to make the systems unique a little bit, not and not be so dependent on one another. And they are um, making adjustments to Crusade. So I believe the base game of Galsev now, I don't think you can buy the base game without Crusade anymore. So I think the base game includes Crusade. So they're adding some dipl- their the diplomacy ability points are being adjusted. And then there's Intrigue, which is the one that we have coming up very soon, not the release which was out back, I believe, in April, but our review re-examination, which is way late, and I'm going to address this later on. But um, they're making the AI manage its tax rates more impressively is the best way to describe it for me because this this slider the adjustment of how you tax your pops or your planets is how human players can really put up some crazy numbers and the ai doesn't so they're making the ai a little bit smarter with that so hopefully the ai will play better either on lower difficulties or not need as many boosters on higher difficulties. And then they're also making adjustment to the latest DLC called Heroes of Star Control. So I believe, actually, I think right now they're having a really big sale on it. They've had several, and they're having one now, and I'm pretty sure by the time you hear this, the next uh, Steam sale is going to be on the verge of happening, the winter sale or the Christmas sale or the New Year sale, or I don't even know what they're calling it anymore. So uh, keep an eye out. This is definitely a game that has significantly improved, and we like it, and we're going to tell you how much we like it in the very near future. All right, very good. Well, speaking of Stardock, we kind of have more news from them. And this week, much to our surprise, a game that I know we here at Explorminate really like, Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, got a new DLC. And actually, it's not quite out as of this recording, but when you hear this, the DLC will be out. And it's about minor factions. And so minor factions are going to be added to Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, which is a real-time 4X game. And there are going to be 15 different minor factions added. And you can get them to join you through uh, diplomacy technology and diplomacy options. And when you get them, you're going to get something special from each one of those independent factions. Now, each one's going to have its own thing. They're they're all a little bit different, which is really cool, but they're showing us some of the stuff that's there, like uh, star bases and ships and things like that. And, like, I got to tell you, one, it looks cool. Two, I think it's priced right, just six bucks for this. And three, well, the game was good already. I'm just surprised that six years after it was released, well, more than that, because it came out in um june of 2012 so six and a half years after this game came out they just did a new dlc for it so that's fantastic uh, i i'm really surprised it's a very good game it's very difficult to beat or at least it was for me when when i got it i had a really hard time beating it uh, so it, it's a good challenge good fun and um it makes me hopeful that uh you know ironclad games would maybe see some value in this franchise and think about coming out with the third game in it because i'd, I'd like to see a new sins of a solar empire come out it i think the well, rebellion's a great game 
I don't think it would be a third game. I think Rebellion's like a major expansion to it. So it would be a well, second game. Well, isn't Trinity the, the first one and then Rebellion the second one? No, no, those are expansions. I thought Trinity was a separate game. My mistake. No, no, no. I, I believe those are expansions to the base game, kind of like, you know, Galsiv has and Civ and every other game out there, you know? But either way, I, I know what you're talking about, and I think it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of people out there. There are a lot of people that own the game, and adding something like this, which could breathe life back into the game and then start out can see how the community reacts. And if the community is like, oh, wow, this is amazing. We love it. And people just buy it up. It's like, okay, good. So we still have a player base for this, and that'll give them the, uh, you know, the green light to go ahead and work on the second game. Or the third game. I mean, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm sure somebody will come and correct us. But I, th- I think I, I think those were just expansions and not standalone games. Or, or standalone expansions even, but not really Oh, well, separate. you might be right. Rebellion might be like a standalone. And yeah. what do they call it? An expandalone? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. you might be right. Exactly. Like like Sorcerer King and Sorcerer King... Uh, um, Rivals. Right. So those are one game, but they're separate from each other, you know? So Yeah, that might be right. But anyways, it's good. It's great news. Very exciting. Now, another bit of exciting news. We're moving away from 4X and going to talk about Phoenix Point. And what's really exciting this week is that Julian Gollop, he came on and he was basically doing a mailbag. There's a linked video that you can check out. It's very, very cool. And he's talking about, he's answering questions. He's like a impromptu Q&A and he says that he's going to be doing these moving forward maybe every couple of weeks so as I'm a backer of Phoenix Point I'm very 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 hyped for this game and everything I've seen so far has done absolutely nothing to assuage any fears that anybody might have for me because I'm just like it's this game is looking awesome and I'm glad I backed it and I'm very excited for it. So he's talking about like they're about to introduce another major faction. So my guess so right now we have release three, uh backer build three, and apparently in in release four they're gonna release a second faction. They're talking about the tech tree, they're talking about the end game, they're talking about the well, they him. He's answering questions and he's talking about the mutability of the aliens and how like they change throughout, not just throughout the game, but from playthrough to playthrough, they'll be different. So it's just, there's a lot of stuff there. And I'm just like, ugh. I'm like, okay, I want to play like the full version, but I'm waiting and I'm okay with waiting, you know, keep cooking, keep making this thing because when it comes out, I want it to be just absolutely amazing and blow everybody away. So if you're curious to know more about this game, there'll be, there'll be links in the notes or listen to past shows or just click on the link and listen to what Julian Gallup has to say for it. Okay, well, this week in our What Is section, I'm going to talk about a game called Heretic Operative. Now, the developer for this reached out to me a couple of weeks back. And they're like, hey, Nate, you know, come, you, you might want to check out our game. It's really interesting. It's going to be out. We're going to be talking about it. You can, in the comments, there's going to be a link to their Steam page in the storefront, and you can see, you know, what it's about. And uh, basically, this is, um, it's a fantasy game, but it's not, how do I describe it? It is, it's an RPG. It has, um, you have spells, you have, um, you know, you have multiple sides. 
So you got monsters, you got Templars, you got cultists, you got just just a bunch of stuff. Now, if you know any tabletop gaming, you know that all the well majority of tabletop gaming are resolved through dice. Now, another thing is majority of computer games have like secret dice rolls. You don't like physically roll dice, but the computer generates it. So this game basically works on the same thing. And what you are is you are exploring this continent. You're going through lots of different quests. You're learning about uh, what's going on there. You get different types of operatives to make up your party. You have all, and, and there's a card system in here. So if you haven't figured it out yet, a lot of games of late have card system built in. So it's like a mixture of different genres. And this is just another one in the games. And it's I'm I'm very curious to see how they do it because one game that I like a lot, Thea, does it real well. Another game that I like a lot, Armello does it real well. Another game that we're keeping an eye on, Galaclider, Space Forex, they're doing it and it's really looking interesting. So yeah, so I mean, there's other card games out there. There's... Um, that are not like Magic the Gathering, not like a collectible card game. You have, um, oh, what's the one that's, ah, oh, God, it just jumped out of my head. I think Starborn is also the 4X, but it's also like part card game, part, part MMO. So there's there's a lot of interesting things out there. And this game is just another cool take. So I'm looking forward to see what, what it's going to be like. So it's like RPG inspired board game with cards. So we we we'll see. We'll keep we'll keep looking at it and if it comes out in a good state, you know, we might have even an excursion for it in the future. Who knows, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It's hard to say. Okay, so now as a warning, this is a rant. So if you don't want to listen to it, I understand. In the notes, you'll have timestamps and you can know when to skip. But before we go on to anything else, I got to do this. Earlier on today, this is Sunday. I get a text and th this is a text from Rob, and he's sharing with me some comments that were made on Reddit. And they just, I got triggered, like, really badly. Like, there's this has been a rough month. This has been a rough year altogether. Everybody, for all of us, our fans, everybody's, it's not been an easy year. And a lot of times, people take for granted what's out there. So I'm not talking about any anything that's going on in the gaming community. No, I'm not talking about, you know, controversy. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to talk strictly about us. And this is not the first time. I mean, from year to year, we get comments like this. But this year is just, it's especially bothersome to me for several reasons. Number one, I haven't told you what the comment is yet, but I'll, I'll first list why it bothers me, and then I'll tell you what the comment is. So number one, a reminder, we are ad-free. Whatever ads are thrown on YouTube are there. If you use an ad blocker, great. We never, we don't ask anybody to sit through ads. A lot of times the videos don't even have ads. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That's one. I haven't been paid out by AdSense this whole year. I've been unable to get any money from them. So it doesn't even matter. I don't know what's going on with them. So that's the first thing. We have, we've never had ads on the website. When Rob and I set up the website, we agreed from the beginning, we're not going to do ads. We're not going to do any sponsored content. At, at worst, what, we will not trade reviews for keys, meaning like, oh, we'll give you a good score if you send us some keys. But we tell them, if you send us some keys, we can review your game. Meaning that if we have to spend money out of pocket to buy a game, we can't even promise when a review will appear for it. So there's quite often, that's what we have to do. So that's two. Three, the only ad revenue we get that doesn't come from YouTube is effectively from Patreon. And it's not ad revenue. It is our community supporting us. 
So we get money every month and we took this money like when Troy's chair went out when some of the guys needed microphones. We, that's what we use it for. We use it to pay for the website. We use it to pay for hosting and for all that stuff. It's, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough to sustain us. And that's it. When the guys are guys or girls, whomever they're writing reviews, I don't pay them for the reviews. Now, major websites go out and they pay $25, $30 for a review. And a lot of times these reviews are not very good. And a lot of times these reviews are, I've, I've, there's steam reviews that are a hundred times better. If you can find them, that people do for free than a lot of these so-called professional reviews. So, what is this all coming to? We're getting criticized like, oh, our reviews are not timely. Oh, duh. Of course they're not timely. They take time. All of us have full-time jobs. All of us have kids. All of us have careers. All of us have spouses. Some of our spouses are completely okay with us doing this in our free time. Some of our spouses are not so okay with it. So it's kind of a question of, do you sit there and write as part of your hobby or make videos, or record podcasts, or run a website, or uh, moderate forums, or do interviews, or whatever, you know, all the stuff that takes to put this together. Do you do that in your spare time? Or do you sit down and play a game that might have nothing to do with this? Or do you spend time with your family? Or do you spend time with your friends? Do you go to some kind of a sporting event, or, you know, a concert, or museum, or just sit there you know, sit outside drinking a cocktail, looking at the stars. I don't know. I mean, whatever people do for fun, go out, play with your dog or just, I don't know, sit there and do nothing, right? We do all of this stuff in our spare time. And and this is a lot of work. And we have, as we get older, we have less and less of it. So when people criticize us, oh, our stuff is not timely. We are the reason that the Forex genre is dying. That's like, what? How are we the reason that the Forex genre is dying? We're trying to provide a service that we wish we had, which is why we got together to do this in the first place, to the community at large. Yeah. Maybe you should explain what the comment was a little bit more fully. I, I, I will. I will. I will. I'm, I'm doing that for a reason. I'm doing that for a reason. It's like I'm building, I'm building up to it. So essentially the comment is criticizing us for reviewing games maybe even a year later or six months later or nine months later. And, you know, maybe being overly critical. And that is what, you know, makes Forex developers or game developers not want to go into the Forex genre. And that's, that's absurd. That is absurd because we don't have, our voice is not heard by tens of millions of players or, okay, fine. In our genre, 2 million players, you know, a lot of developers, they don't know about us. And the few that know about us, they don't, they certainly don't hate us. They'll talk to us. We, we're sometimes the only coverage they get, even if we're three months, even if we're six months late. And the other thing is, over the past several years, the review process has become more intensive and the editing more extensive because we're trying to publish really good stuff. But if people want us to publish stuff right away, okay, sure, we can do that. It's just the reviews are not going to be as detailed because I'm sorry. I, I mean... I'm not sorry, but it's one of those sorry, not sorry. I don't have 40 hours to play a game in a week to try and get a review out at release. I, I don't have it. I have a job. I have kids. I got things I need to do. If this is what people expect, no wonder a bunch of people are leaving from Exploraminate. I try not to be too difficult, not to crack whips on guys. Hey, guys, pop, 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 pop. you promised me you're two minutes late. I try not to do stuff like that. 
So when that happens and I see negativity like that, it's just like it's such a bummer because it's like we do this for fun. And when it stops being fun, people leave. People don't want to do this anymore. So then, of course, it gets even harder because there's less people doing this stuff. So now more and more of this workload comes on us. It's like, you know, what if I decide to quit? What if I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm done with this. Who's going to jump on this? I know a lot of the other guys, as much as they like this, they're like, no, no, Nate. No, 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 you do it. You're good with this. Please, please, you do it. I don't want to do that. So you guys got to give us a little bit of a break. Now, I know a lot of our community appreciates what we do. Absolutely. And, the vast majority are the very vast positive majority. and supportive. And this is the reason why I stay away from Reddit as much as possible because I don't know why. And I know Steam can be toxic and Steam can be a lot of things. But we moderate our forums to – we moderate the toxicity out. We locked it down almost a year ago to make sure to keep all the spam bots out. And the, and the positive effect of that has been that a lot of nasty people that just come in to crap all over you are not doing it. And that's fantastic. I do not regret that at all. Notice I have not asked people, should we open up the emergency? Anybody can join. All they got to do is they got to ask, you know, and then we know who they are kind of thing. Or at least I know who they are, not just random showing up, being nasty and leaving. So that's why I stay away from Reddit. Because there's enough negativity in my life on my day-to-day from like things I got to deal with and see that I don't want it invading Exploraminate. So uh, this was going to be something completely different, but it's not. And I spoke to some of the guys throughout the day and everybody's like, Nate, chill out, you know, take it easy. It's not so bad. But boy, was I angry this morning. Oh, man. Oh, I was angry. And with that, that is the end of my rant. So thank you for listening to my rant. By all means, please let me know what you think. Let us know. We do read the comments. And let's move on to something more happy. Troy, what have you been playing this week? I don't know, Nate, but have you ever told me what is heretic operative? I think I did. Did you cover that? Yes. Okay. That's the first thing I covered. That's the RPG, the role-playing RP, role-playing board game card tactic rpg that i was just discussing oh that's right this rant this rant was so emotional you're like everything else got wiped out we talked about some other games too (laughs) all right well uh this week i played thea 2 and i was so excited Mm -hmm. i found a source of amber oh like right at the beginning of the game and i was like oh yeah (laughs) i'm gonna get to build my first city uh-huh. Out of amber. What happened? And it's going to be awesome. Well, I got really busy during the week, oh. and then three patches dropped. I haven't oh. logged back into the game since, and so I'm sure my save is gone now. I haven't checked. Well, it might if, still be there. If you but, have not update, if you don't have auto updates. Oh, I do. Uh, I do. Yeah, I've got all the patches downloaded. I'm so. sorry. You're that would have been so you, awesome. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a workaround for that. Is there? Yes, there is. If you look under the options, you should you should be able to find your version number and play it as that. So you, you're not essentially rolling back your build, but you're playing an earlier version of a build, almost like you would do on a beta or something like that. All right. Well, I'll have, I'll have to sh- check you it should out check. because I was, I was pumped. I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I wonder what will happen. And then... You, know, you should, I, you like should I said, I haven't I haven't logged in since. Okay. So anyway, there's that. I played Thea two, and I gotta say, mm-hmm. I'm still learning the combat. The combat with the cards is tough. It's less intuitive than the first one. 
I disagree. I'm sure I'll figure it I dis- out. I disagree. I f- it took like at first when you do it, it's really tricky. Like what's going on? I don't understand. I don't understand. But then like if you do it enough, all of a sudden one thing clicks and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. No, this is awesome. So the combat is easier. I think, I mean, it's all essentially, all the interactions are essentially different versions of combat. But I think the actual combat, it's easier to figure out than, say, the challenges are, at least initially. And once you figure it out, once it makes sense, everything makes sense. So one of my issues, so there's still an issue. So do you I want ha- to talk about games you've played? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm explaining to you the combat so you don't feel as intimidated by it. Do, do you want me to tell you what I was going to tell you? Uh. I'll just say that I played World of Tanks Blitz some. Okay. Okay. And then why don't you take it from there? Okay. So in the combat, you have in the first game, you couldn't really reuse the same combatant in the same phase of combat, but you can here. So what probably you're seeing is like you have different level of action points and you are trying to use a combatant and like maybe they take damage like from an area effect. So some of the weapons do area effects. Some of the weapons will, they have like, a, they'll hit part of the front row. Some of them hit, you know, they're, they're, they're penetrating. So they'll hit two rows, you know, one behind the other. And your character will take a whole lot of damage real fast and die. And you're like, no, I don't get it. What went wrong? So I think that's one thing you need to figure oh, I, out. I get the initiative system and I think that's, Pretty cool. I just no, like, no, no. The targeting system is that's what I what don't I'm, understand. That's what very I'm talking well. about. Is the targeting that has to do with the type of weapon you're using? So some weapons they do area effect. Right, I got that. Some weapons you can be in the second row and still hit the front row. Some weapons, like ranged weapons, if your target something happens in combat and your target disappears, it'll give you an option to target somebody else in the middle of combat. So there's a lot of little nuance like that that just you kind of have to figure out. Like you have some characters that will have, you know, like they can provide a shield or they can give you like a haste of sorts to speed you up or to slow down the other opponent. All of that still exists. You just kind of have to tease it out. It's it's good. Anyways, I have not played any Thea this week. So I'm just speaking from my past playthroughs of Thea too. But um, I, you know, I only played one game this week. I didn't even play a lot of it. I started doing the Flashpoint missions for Battletech. And initially, I was very off-put by it because when they released it, it's cool. Like, I like the additions that they made and I like the additional stories that they have. I think there's like 11 or 12 or 13, maybe even 15 total different ones that are all over the map. And this is, you can do it like in midst of a campaign, but if, but like the power spike on some of them is so high that unless you have like assaults, you're going to get stomped. So you might want to wait until after you beat the game, like post game. But anyways, uh, my main issue was, is that they changed, they changed the skill sets. So you had to, like, you got all your points back. You had to go in and respec your pilots which is fine. I don't have an issue with that. But the, And I don't even have an issue with how they, they balanced it. It's okay. You know, once you get a hang of it, it's all right. It, it makes sense. It's nothing wrong with it. They changed, like, how rewards go so you can get some really cool stuff and, like, you can't go to the shop and get, like, the really rare stuff. It's not going to be there, which makes sense, too. I'm okay with that. What I didn't like is the probability. So, apparently, in the base game, there was a bug. So, when you target the head of a mech, it has the least amount of armor and like a lucky headshot will kill it will kill a mech that's like super powerful and that makes sense it should be really hard to do 
unfortunately when flashpoint came out they made a change that that was like almost like that was the outcome almost in every combat like they shoot you and you're gonna lose your mech and your pilot's gonna die from a headshot every single time and it's like it that pissed me off so yeah, much it's normally like in the tabletop version a rather rare occurrence it can it's, happen but it can happen but it's rare yeah but the way they had changed the formula it wasn't rare it was uncommon so you have these wimpy little mechs that opening up on you with everything they have wouldn't be even enough to add one point of unbalance to you. So you can have five or six, depending on your skill set, before your mech basically, you know, just falls over kind of thing. And these suckers are taking out these giant mechs with a single shot, like one shot, one kill, you know? And it's like, it, that made me mad, so I didn't play, and they fixed it. So now I'm playing it, and everything is good again. It's really, So what I like about these flashpoints is even though some of these missions are like consecutive missions, you don't really have a chance to fix your mechs or to replace your mechs and stuff, that's great. But what I like is that they're 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I can go in, play 20, 30 minutes, save, and come back to it a couple of days later. And that's pretty much all I had time. Like I had maybe an hour total this week playing it, maybe. And I don't see that changing until January. So that said, by the time you hear this, we're going to have an excursion for a mobile game out, uh, City Builder. And that kind of goes a little bit back to the point that we were talking about earlier with my rant. So one of the things that we're going to have to re- – the reason we posted it up is it's a shorter format. It's fun. It's a short format. I'm curious to get feedback on that specific excursion. We have another excursion from Oliver that's going to be coming soon that's also slightly different format. So I want to see what people say because if people are okay with having excursions that are less detailed – then that's what we're going to do. And maybe we'll be able to pick up the pace of stuff. And at the same time, if you noticed, my re-examinations of late were also shorter than the typical re-examination, which is usually really long. And if people are okay with that too, maybe that's what we'll do is we'll have really long, you know, reviews for Forex games and everything else will shorten down so we can put out stuff faster and more frequently, you know. So we need feedback, guys, gals, listeners. Please let us know what you think of all that. I think, and I think with that, I just want to thank our patrons once again. We really appreciate you. You're all awesome. Thank you so much. If you like what we're doing, you know, we're always looking for more support. We appreciate every all of it, and we could use a little bit more and like click on our YouTube stuff, you know, all that other stuff. You know, you know what to do. I don't need to repeat it. And I think that's it. Awesome. Very good. So. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week. We really enjoyed having you on the show with us. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.